Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking about tips and tricks to uh, help improve your own games, tabletop role-playing, and a variety of others. We're actually going to be doing another one of our bonus episodes today. These are the episodes that you can feel free to skip if you're kind of going for the GM boot camp experience. These aren't required listening, but they're just kind of fun ideas. Today we're going to be talking about just random GM stories and player stories that we've had through our own experiences going through. And hopefully you can get a laugh, maybe get some inspiration, and we can get some of these stories out of our system so that we're talking less stories and more information on the regular shows. Uh, so in the studio, I am Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for Game Master Studios. Uh, with me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. I like turtles. Yes, he does. <laughs> All right, so we are doing the GM stories today. I actually had one to kick it off. Um, we're talking about mistakes that we've made as GMs, and this kind of came up. I'm like, oh, oh, I got to do this one. Oh, never, never made a mistake as a GM. <coughs> well, normally, <laughs> normally mistakes as a GM can be very transparent because they don't know that it was a quote unquote mistake. Right. Because there's no way of knowing what you had planned. But this was one where it was completely, <laughs> I was completely open with the fact that it was a mistake. So the game was Werewolf: The Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a one shot because people in my group wanted to play a werewolf. So I did pre-generated characters, which we've talked about on a yeah. on an episode. I built the characters for the players, and I did a, just a brief backstory in the history, and I got a little input. And the characters were all going to be young, coming-of-age, you know, teenage type. And so we kind of did it as... Uh, or I kind of built them as kind of a, a breakfast club type. You get the different stereotypes. There was um, the independent girl. There was the nerd. There was the outcast. Um, the players had input as to what they wanted to play, and one of them wanted to play a Silver Fang alpha male jerk jock, which, if you've ever played Werewolf, Silver Fang are the aristocracy, the, the pure-blooded, you know, we we rule because we're better than everybody else. Right. So I made up his character, and it's like, you know, you had success with the ladies, and you were homecoming king, and class president, and star, all-star quarterback for the, for the state's team, and all that. You know, just a very blessed life being lived in his, in his backstory. And last minute, one of our not-so-regular players was going to be able to make the game. So, you know, they called, they let me know, you know, hey, Francis is going to be at the game, so can you do up a character for him? I'm like, yeah, I'll whip something up real quick. And, you know, I did a, a down-on-his-luck type who um, had had a little bit of success because in Werewolf, you get gifts from the spirits, and one of the gifts that fit with his character was a, a fleet of foot where they were fast-running. So I gave him some you know, put in his backstory that he was from a poor part of town, didn't have a lot, but he got success in being a wide receiver on the on the school's football team. So I got them together and I handed out the bios and I'm handing them out and they're looking at it. And I realized as I handed them out, 
I had put together a party where one of them was a quarterback and one of them was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So I just saw that. And I just realized like they're going to see that and they're like somewhere in the game, this combination is going to come into play. There's going to be some part of the game where we're going to have to resolve a puzzle essentially by doing a Hail Mary forward pass. <laughs> and I just, I realized that and I like, I had to jump in. I'm like, there was completely an accident. Don't be looking for that. Don't be looking for that to happen. That was just random that it came together like that. And, you know, there's a little bit of laughs because I, I immediately, as they're reading their bios, realized it and started apologizing for, for potentially screwing them up <laughs> ahead of time. I'm just like, please, like, it, it, it doesn't mean anything other than flavor. Right. Um, the game was a lot of fun, and I think they hinted at trying to pull something like that off a couple times, but they never actually did. So I see. You didn't throw in, like, the, uh, uh, the they have to beat the neutral NPCs at a sporting event to, to, to get a certain quest item? Or? <laughs> no, actually, it was a museum heist, so... Oh, <laughs> Maybe they'll have the idea of like the quarterback has to steal the item and huck it out a window to the wide receiver outside or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was just it was a matter of like completely at random. I just realized that I did some serious heavy foreshadowing that's going to drive them nuts. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, mistakes as a GM. I think my biggest mistake that I can think of as a GM is uh, I, I wanted to run this this kind of game, the, the feel for the game, it was, it was supposed to be called, like, uh, The Week of Hell. And the idea is that there's all kinds of, like, like chaos going on in the game. It was a superhero game, so the, the superheroes were going to be facing off all kinds of different villains, right? Just kind of running the gauntlet. Oh, yeah, just, the, the, exactly, a gauntlet. And it was going to be fight after fight after fight after fight. And I think, in my head, I could visualize... The game, and so I I saw okay this is a cool idea, but in practice for a tabletop role playing game it wasn't great because they're going from one fight to the next fight to the next fight with very little time to role play in between. That actually sounds like some of my early games. <laughs> hey, look, you know hack and slash isn't that bad if that's what you want to do, but uh, you know in the hero system it's not really built for that. You are supposed to have some downtime. Unless you have specific powers. I mean, there's regeneration sort of powers, but most everyone doesn't have that. So if they lose all of their SDC, which is uh, bonus hit points, essentially, in that system, you lose it all. You know, you only get like six back on a night's arrest, and you're someone who's supposed to have like 200 normally. You know, you lose all that. It's over. Yeah. And plus, it was there were times where it was fun, but then there were other times where it was like, Okay, so what are we fighting now, you know? And, and you know, you get your players who want to, you know, they want to do some role-playing. So I decided to run that game for some reason. I thought it was a great idea in my head, but that's a mistake I made uh, early in my GMing career. And I've never run a game like that since because gauntlet games aren't always fun. Yeah, the stories don't necessarily need to be about mistakes as a GM, but it's just kind of a jumping-off point. We just kind of flow from story to story. Oh, now you tell me. Yeah, well, don't worry because now that now I take that back, I've never made a mistake. Now I have to go in. And <laughs> exactly. <say. laughs> now, now Jared's got to tell us yeah. about a mistake. I'm sitting here just going, to even I'm, the I'm scales. just like thinking of stories, and you're like, oh, well, this is my big mistake. I'm like, now I have to think of my big mistake. <laughs> oh, man. Spot here. <laughs> uh, honestly, I know what my real big mistake was, probably. Jerry was there for this one, too. 
probably my biggest mistake was getting overly frustrated in a particular game and not keeping my mouth shut after the game. Uh, I really don't want to get into it. <laughs> um, the gist of it was that a player didn't play their character, in my opinion, correctly. I mean, that's kind of six one half a dozen the other, I know, but they were they were playing very much out of character and out of alignment, and just everything seemed like everything was going wrong. And, you know, an innocent NPC was basically, in my opinion, like cold-bloodedly murdered. And the the party kind of didn't think too much. Well, not everyone in the party, but most of the party didn't kind of think too much of it. But which, it was kind of... it was Which we've also managed to joke about further on down the road. But. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of all keyed off of one particular player and how they were approaching the scenario. And it's not that I think... I mean, I could have done things better in the moment of how it was handled and how the whole scene played out. So that's, the, that's where I think my number one big mistake was. But my number two big mistake was not keeping my frustrated damn mouth shut after the game. And I made a comment that was later... You know, uh, found by you know, overheard by the the player, and it kind of caused some grief and some some unneeded tension that didn't need to be there. And all because it was it was a heat of the moment comment, and completely unnecessary. But you know, that's honestly like I have to admit, like that's probably my biggest you know uh, mistake I've made as a DM. Just getting getting too frustrated, not taking a breath, and saying something stupid, and not even during the game, but after the game. Like this isn't something that should ever be taken personal. I think we've touched on that a little bit in the past. We might get into it more in the future. I don't know, but it's a game. Yeah. Go with it. Roll with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm usually pretty good at improving and, and rolling with the punches, but it's just one of these moments where just like everything was going exactly the opposite of how things should have gone in my mind, which hasn't happened. You know, not that that hasn't happened before, but just like just the way that things were going down, and because of the particular situation and the particular topic, it just really got under my skin and really frustrated me, and I didn't keep my mouth shut. I, well, I think we've talked about it a couple times, too, and we'll probably come back to it again about how making your game work isn't just something that happens at the table while the game is going on. Right. There's before, there's after, there's in between and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. so let's, try to, let's try to get back to, to the more happy stories, uh, which means I'll probably have to pull out at least one or two Barley stories here. Uh, Barley was a character in my... Long in the long-running vampire game that I played in. Um, it is the one that's actually currently mentioned in my bio as my favorite game played in. It ran for about three years real-time, where we played the same characters playing at least once a week. So we really developed, really got into them. And Barley was a super strong Nosferatu vampire, so he was hideously disfigured. He stood about seven foot tall, and he had severe brain damage, giving him the mental capacity of a child. Well, fun. Yeah, he was actually he was actually uh, this, the player originally designed him off of a Rottweiler puppy that he had met. You know, <laughs> full grown Rottweiler body puppy mentality. Right. There's a dog that broke fences on accident. Um, one of the the fun stories there that I that I remember is we went out we we had to go track down uh, Barley after our vampire group had been scattered following a botched raid on a werewolf um, facility. So we're out, and we finally managed to track him down, and my character, Mikey, goes to you know talk Barley and coax him out of where he was hiding, because being a child, he's scared and all that. And the other person that was with us was hanging out by the car, so he's just waiting for us to come back. And as it turned out, some of the werewolves had followed us. So they attacked. There was two of them. One of them attacked the guy by the car. The other one attacked me. Barley 
is scared, but he also knows that the werewolves are trying to hurt his friend. Mm-hmm. So Barley comes roaring out of there like a bat out of hell, rips the werewolf's head off with his bare hands. Like I said, you know, super strong, giant guy, sees this other werewolf attacking his other friend, and the player goes, I'm just going to throw the closest thing at hand to me, at, at, at the other guy. DM thinks for a second, he goes, he's like, so what, you're going to chuck the werewolf's head? It's like, no, I'm chucking Jerry's character. <laughs> so, because I was, I gone on to, oh, Barley, are you okay? So he just grabs me and hurls me face first at the werewolf, the unwilling fastball special. The DM was nice enough to let me roll, so I got to to hang on to my shotgun that I was carrying. Yeah. So I crashed, I crashed face to face with the werewolf, crashed down to the ground, made like the willpower roll to realize like where I am, shoot him point blank with the shotgun, and you know they were able to to, to handle and deal with that. But the, it, it led to the to that and a couple other incidents led to one of the rules for barley to follow, being you can throw things, and you can throw things but you can't throw people <laughs> yeah we i we at one point had a list of all the rules that we had to have to uh just to survive living with barley we had them logged somewhere but that's been lost to the annals of time <laughs> I, I created a character for a game once kind of close to barley i guess but the list that i made was actually like about his gear he was going to be this big, dumb, like, oaf, like, barbarian type, and his name was going to be Mort. And he was going to kind of talk like this, and his name is Mort. And the the list of things were, like, his backpack. It is Mort's favorite backpack. His great club. It is Mort's favorite great club. <laughs> his trail rations. These are not Mort's favorite food, but they will do. <laughs> I planned on... I, I'll say I like, you know... Playing the stupid brute, it, it, it happens a lot. You'll get people who will do it. I, I, I personally, I like making that a character. You know, not just okay, my character doesn't say anything because he's a dumb brute. I like letting that character be a character. So, like with more, and actually, I'm playing a another game kind of on the side where my character is fairly unintelligent. And uh, this is actually a good story because it just recently happened. Um, in the game, paladins are essentially illegal. Like, the bad guys have won, you know, so there's like this cult of good guys, essentially, and they're trying to, you know, turn the tide, and paladins are illegal. So, I, I, we made this joke, like, I had a, a friend who was, uh, or the two, two of the players had gone before, and they were, like, trying to diplomatize, and, like, the mayor didn't believe them, and I'm like, you better believe them, because they are the best half elf friend I've ever had you know and then the, the gnome goes I'm like you better believe my gnome, gnome friend don't call him a liar he's the best gnome friend I've ever had and then the paladin says something I go up to the mayor with that character and I completely out of game forget paladins are legal <laughs> so I say you better believe her she is the best female pa- female paladin friend I have ever had and the GM says paladin and that's when I remember that but it was such an organic mm-hmm. forgetfulness <laughs> That it actually made for a, a good little kind of uh, deal there, because now my character had to like figure out how to fix mm-hmm. what he just done. Yeah. So like he screwed up, but then all of a sudden, oh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turned into a fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was hoping that maybe that in certain kingdoms, paladins would be legal for open carry with the proper permits. Oh, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, some of those moments, like some of those accidental, like you forgetful out of game moments, are you know being played in game are the best moments. You know, like that's why I'm always trying to like trick my players because you have to trick the player to get an authentic, right. you know, reaction out of the player for you know in you know in the name of the character. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got I've got one because it's it's actually a Jared story <laughs> of of Jared of Jared being forgetful and, and causing an issue here, yeah. um, and it. I was also uh, had this little on my mind because I usually play the smart thinker. Um, I'm, I'm the planner type, and for this game, I was playing the brute. Mm-hmm. I was I was playing a barbarian, and we went. We had to recover uh, this person that had gone missing, and we found them in the company of cultists. You know, and then there's a little bit of a fighting and all that a scuffle. And my guy is a barbarian. He's very no nonsense, and da da da. And we're just gonna do this. And our job is to bring her back. So he grabs her and picks her up and just starts walking off with her as you know as the fight with the cultists people are like hey wait wait what are you doing <laughs> uh, and she was a spellcaster and jared is the gm so he's just like you know what i'm just gonna bomb a sleep spell and we look up the rules for sleep and it's like okay it affects people starting with the least amount of hit points and then going upwards and because they've been fighting and people were wounded we're like okay who has the most least hit points the least hit points was the ranger's wolf Okay, so the wolf is asleep, and the next lowest hit points is the ranger. Oh, the ranger, oh no, I'm an elf, I'm immune to sleep. Okay, next lowest hit points, my barbarian, because he'd been taking damage because he'd been in the fight. Oh, I'm an elf, I'm immune to sleep. <laughs> okay, next lowest hit points, this cultist, then that cultist, then that cultist, then that cultist, and then the last party member had too many hit points for the sleep spell to affect him. Oh, man. So the sorcerer... Bombed the sleep spell and knocked out the wolf and all of their own allies. <laughs> Stupid elves. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, that makes things much easier. <laughs> but yeah, again, like that kind of makes for like that really natural organic moment. Like, yeah, it was completely a slip up and an oversight of my, you know, my part of, oh yeah, half the party's elves and immune to the spell that I'm about to kick off, but and while you might want, it might, it's one of those things where like you could argue like, well, a wizard would remember that, but would he? You know, that's one of those small little things. Yeah. Like that's that's it seemed me that seems like one of those small little details that could be easily forgotten even by a wizard that's been studying the spell for half their life. Like, oh yeah, fucking yeah. elves. Especially in my world in Wrath, where elves are on the rare, you don't see elves very often because they're kind of banned from cities. And, you know, they kind of keep to themselves. And especially in the heat of the moment, in the middle of combat. Yeah, you're yeah. like, what's the best spell that I have for the situation? Sleep. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, why did I cast that? Yeah, you know, and and it also fit in because the person that we were supposed to be bringing back was had been built up as being a little uh, irrational, a little immature, a little hasty on this, so it fit right in. That whoops, I just screwed myself over. Yeah, and you know, if you look at it like in stories, you know, books, TV, uh, movies, how often does someone make a mistake and then be like, oh, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it happens a lot. Because it adds that sense of realism. Like, when you're watching it as a viewer, sometimes you're like, you're stupid. I can't believe you. Like, obviously, duh. Because, like, all, a lot of those facts are fresh in your head because they've just told you these facts during right. the movie or the show, you know, or the book. But, you know, in reality, like, it adds a lot of, you know, it adds a lot of realism. Thank you. Um, to the, you know, to the, the character in the story because that does happen. You know, yeah. no matter how well you are learned in something or how much you've studied something, everyone makes oversights. Everyone has that duh moment, you know, so I don't know. It just it kind of lends legitimacy. Right. Like in a movie, we, we've learned a fact within, you know, half an hour to two hours or so. But 
the characters in that movie, there might have been a couple of scenes that went through a couple of days. Yeah. So the thing that they need to know that we're like, why don't you remember this? Mm-hmm. It might have been five minutes ago for us, but two days yeah, for them. Yeah, but for all you know, it's something that the character learned when they were a kid. And to you, it's just like, well, obviously he's known it since he's a kid. He grew up with this fact. But like, but I, you know, I learned that blah when I was a kid. But how often does that come into play? Is it something right. that you know, you know, comes into play on a daily basis of my life? No, I mean, I learned it when I was a kid. But I mean, I've had years to forget about it. I've had, uh, as and we're going back a little towards the tips advice, I've had sessions in game where the reverse happened. For the, for the players, we haven't played in two weeks. For the characters, they were told that something this morning. Yeah. And so even though it happened two different sessions and I've had the players forget, I've had to jump in as a GM and say, whoa, 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 you guys are actually well aware of yes. this. Right. And uh, yeah, now I consider that, you know, again, you know, that's GM responsibility and you're doing the right thing. Like, I got to remind you that your characters just learned about this two hours ago. So, like, that should be fresh in your head. Yeah. Uh, so, for a good story, I got a story for, you know, the, my, my big claim to fame as a player is from, you know, killing the, what, the two and a half, was it two and a half great worms that I killed single-handedly? I mean, come on. We got to bring up Varagas. If we're going to tell us tales, we got to bring up Varagas. Jerry yeah, knows we, exactly who we do, we need to bring, Apparently, every time we start telling stories, we need to bring him up like four or five times. <laughs> hey, well, we haven't brought him up yet, so let's start the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm playing this uber powerful Scion. I think I was like level 17 ish for this one particular session. And, and in, in defense of gaming in general, it was 3.5. D&D, yes. which you oh, need to yeah. sit down with a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to break the game. Otherwise, you might do it on accident. <laughs> which is exactly what happened with this character, because none of this was intentional or planned. But it was one of those like snowball effects where like I didn't plan on him being powerful. I spent the first half of his career pulling punches and keeping my hands tied behind my back. But... At the last second, the, you know, the DM kept throwing stronger and stronger stuff at us, so I kept having to untie, you know, like, wait for the party to about wipe, and then go, fine, I'll save everyone, untie my hands, and blast my power away. So it kind of became this snowball effect where the DM kept pushing harder and harder and harder and harder trying to, to challenge this character that I was intentionally trying to rein back at first to let the party kind of have their moment. But it would just turn into again, like you know, this is what we talked about in a previous episode of like the optimizer. You're giving your, you keep he kept putting the spotlight on this optimized character that I didn't initially intentionally optimize, but this optimized character. So the rest of the party's falling by the wayside, and it's just spotlight on Varagas every session. Yeah, just all the combat in the world. No matter what I do to try to you know tie my hands. You know, it always ended up coming down to Varagas having to save the day, and then people are in the party were getting very frustrated with me having to save the day all the time. So I'm like, well, why wait till the last second and have to save the day? I'll just kill things right off the bat. So then I'm not saving the day. I'm just you know powerhousing and smashing stuff. All right, cool. So that kind of turned into the motif of like, I'm not going to tie my hands and wait for everyone to get beat up and then go, oh great, our Lord and Savior Varagas has come again to to save our lives. Yeah. Fine, I'll just smash everything. So there is one episode. We finally get to the session that I started off talking about where there's a small there's an I say small there's an army about to invade our our uh, our keep our hideout our castle area. And there we see off into the distance, there's several great worm dragons along for the ride. There's four of them, I think, in total. There's a green, a blue, a white, and a red. So there's four, and there are not, no black dragon. Um, Chromatic dragons taste the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a huge mounted slash foot soldier army. So I, my character can fly. 
I say, you guys handle the ground, I'll distract and deal with the dragons, but the plan was to kind of divide and conquer. Like, if I can keep the Great Worms off of these dudes, they can handle the, the ground forces, but right. we can't handle, you know, like, if we stay together as a group, then everything's coming at us, and we can't handle four giant Great Worm dragons coming and breathing down hell from the skies while trying to deal with these foot soldiers. So I fly off, and these dragons can outfly me, but I can outmaneuver them. So I kind of like, I start to bring the dragons off. You know, I fly off into a direction full bore as fast as I possibly can, just trying to, again, trying to create some distance. And it kind of just turns into obviously, I'm not just going to fly and get the crap kicked out of me. I'm like, let's see what I can do. Like, I've killed a couple dragons in the past. Let's see what happens. So I fire at the, you know, the white dragon, the white great worm. I almost one-shotted it. He got away, like, he ends up being, like, mortally wounded and kind of disappears into the clouds. And then the red dragon hits me, as I recall. I think the red dragon hit me, and it uh, popped my, uh, my psychic crush. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was the red dragon that got wounded and... No, 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 I, I know I killed the red dragon. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Because I've been bitching about the damn white dragon that got away. The weakest of all the dragons. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's the one dragon that got away because I didn't quite one-shot it. But yeah, so the red dragon ends up hitting me, and I have a con um, contingency uh, power of Psychic Crush at the ready. And he fails his will save and insta-dies. So I, I insta-kill the, the red Great Worm dragon, almost one-shot the white dragon, which then flies off with its tail tucked between its legs. And those are the only two that came after me, the red, I mean, the, the blue and the green... Uh, stayed, you know, and kind of like, apparently I didn't realize at the time, you know, because, you know, I'm flying through the crowd and flying for my life, but they stayed and were kind of screwing with the people on the ground. So, you know, out of game, I know that the green dragon had already used like its gas breath to screw with the, um, the, the rest of the group and stuff. So I fly down there to see what's going on and I end up like shooting the green, I think it was the green dragon. I think I shot, it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the green dragon that I shot and killed. And the blue dragon never poked his head out, or I would have killed that mother friggin' true. <laughs> but the, at this point, like, where I finally come down, the party's messed up. Like, on the verge of dying, like, our cleric is near death, um, you know, our paladin's down, like, half the party's well, down and or dying. If I remember correctly, the cleric was almost dead. Yeah. The paladin was at something like negative... 87 in a system where you die at negative 10 only because he had a temporary spell on him that prevented him from dying by having too few hit points. Right. Jeez. The barbarian was in the rage and when she dropped out of her rage she was going to lose her temporary hit points that would have put her to instantly dead. Right. The sorcerer was a pile of ash yep. because he had been disintegrated. It's the only person other than Varagast the Scion who's going around killing dragons that was completely unscathed was our one member of the group that was actually the only non-half-dragon, because everyone in the group was a half-dragon. And that way he was playing Achillean, it was actually Adam's character. He was completely unscathed because he was a ranger type that had improved invisibility, like an improved invisibility ring. So he was invisible the whole time right. and had evasion. Oh, so geez. like he's like not being the target and anytime he's stuck in like an area of effects ability and like he's making a save and just completely taking zero damage. So he's just like walking around the battlefield, but unfortunately not doing much damage. He's walking around with a bow and arrow just like pinging things off, but not getting, you know, he was the only person completely unscathed. So I show up and the only thing I can think is at this point I have ninth level spell on powers and I have mass time hop. 
So to save the party, I mass time hop everyone 16 hours into the future. I think it was like 16-ish hours into the yeah. future. So basically, like, the army would be gone by the time we pop up. And for us, it's only a fraction of a second. So in theory, like, okay, we shoot 16 hours into the future, and, you know, by the, uh, the time that for us only, like, a moment passes, it's like one round equivalent. So Bobby, the cleric, can then go around and start patching everyone up, especially the paladin, who needs a lot of healing before that right. spell wears off. Right. And everyone can save the day. Originally, I was going to time hop all of them, but not time hop myself, and I was going to stand behind and single-handedly try to take on the army, because at that point, I think I was getting like way over cocky with my character. Plus, I thought I'd be like, this is how you can kill me. You don't, it doesn't even have to be on camera. Just like, you can assume that I'm dead. You're like, this is how we get rid of the demigod Varagas. Right, right. You know, you can just kill me off camera. Like, you guys go, save yourselves. And then just, like, the last thing they see is me standing in front of, you know, an army. And just like, I've got this. And he was never heard from again. But right. the, the, the rest end, of the party the was The ending like, of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right, yeah. But a lot of, some of the people in the party, again, Maybe because... Spoiler alert. <laughs> but which one? <laughs> but, be, again, because the, the, some of the party was kind of skewed on that character, and they are like, oh, good, it's the Varagash show. Now he's going to single-handedly take on this pump, this whole army. I'm presuming myself to die. Again, like not even necessarily on camera. Like, all right, well, we're going to just assume that you died. You, we don't even have to play this out. But, again, there was some complaining amongst the, the group, so I decided to time-hop myself with the rest of the party so I could basically make sure that everyone was okay and, and kind of mend our wounds. But, yeah, that was, like, the big... The big Varagas episode, like, you know, to, uh, killed two and a half Great Worm Dragons by himself and single-handedly saves the party from a giant army of, of enemies. And the thing is, because it got brought up, so I need to, to comment on this, Varagast was really the second most powerful member oh, of the good. group. Oh, good. Oh, good. Because he mentioned Let's perpetuate there, this lie. <laughs> Bobby! <laughs> yes. Bobby was a running joke. As it, as it were. Yeah. Um, we built our characters. They were very high level. And we all kind of built what we wanted. And we didn't really have a healer. So my, I had my paladin take the leadership feat. So that he got a cohort. You have another character who's two levels lower. Who hangs out with you and helps out. And I made Bobby. He was just he was designed to just be a pure healer. All he does is just heal people. Help them out. And out and around. The Bobby is actually a reference to World War Z by Max Brooks, where at Great one book. And it is. It's a wonderful book. I have not seen the Brad Pitt movie, so I'm not going to say anything about it, but it is an amazing <laughs> book. Um, and in the book, World War Z, there's a battle scene where they have the people running supplies behind the lines who are giving rations and water are doing Adam Sandler impersonations right? from you know the water boy. So, you know, we did kind of that. So, Mr. Bobby Boucher was running around and helping out as a cleric. You know, you go on your adventure and it's very difficult. You get stabbed in the face and maybe I could cast cure moderate wounds and that would make it not hurt so much for you. Um, you know, and kind of playing it up as, as the Adam Sandler type deal and, and, and Bobby's just kind of like happy to be part of the team type deal. Right. And because there's one incident with a dragon where, you know, the dragon has five, six hundred hit points and Varagast deals like however many and Bobby oh, but like eight and, yeah and Bobby <laughs> take, and Bobby takes it out with like a, I think it was a flame strike that did like 20 points of damage and kills it so we're all like yay Bobby killed the dragon uh, and then well, it became like well, Bobby Varagas fumes and storms off yeah so, <laughs> yeah you know, he did 
like 20 points of damage to Varagast, like 580 points of damage. Yeah. Um, and so it became Bobby is the savior. Bobby is the dragon slayer. Bobby is the demon foe. Bobby is the light bringer. You know, and all, all this, like, you know, just. And it started becoming like the, the common heroes were like, is that Bobby? Is that is that really him? Oh my god, is he here? Nice. Uh, nice. Which gave a little bit of role playing because uh, Jared Jared always plays as being a little miffed by it, but he under he understands that it's not, it's not serious or anything. Against oh yeah, him. yeah. As a person, I didn't care. Yeah. You know, as a player, I didn't care. But I always played that my my character Varagas was always just like really seriously. <laughs> like he basically like every title that was ever given to Bobby is like what like. <laughs> Varagas should have had, but like, like towards the end of the game, it was kind of like Varagas. Yeah, I don't know you, but Bobby. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> oh, is Bobby here? I don't want to miss him. <laughs> um, so we we actually had at one point where the paladin, who was the leader of the group, and you know the the, the person that Bobby was actually following, you know, kind of pull Varagas aside as the throngs and crowds were around Bobby, like, oh, he's here to save us and all that, and he just put it into perspective with Varagas and like having to talk to people of that intelligence would drive you crazy. Yeah. Just accept the fact that they're going to lavish all their attention on him, and you can do your job. Yeah. You don't have to vaporize the crowd. <laughs> Out of frustration. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually had a character once who... Uh, I actually did that by design, something similar to that. We didn't really play for many sessions, but he was uh, a, a fairly high-level bard. And the idea was he was going to be a social character... Like, pure social. You know, he's going to help out in fights, but mostly just a social character. And he was going to gain a lot of influence and power throughout the game. But to also help the group out, uh, I gave him leadership, got a cohort, and just had it be a fighter. And I then kind of, uh, I had the idea that, well, all of the stories that we tell would be primarily about this fighter. So He goes out and fights. <laughs> exactly. So we kept going around and like, you know, kind of like the, you know, like the story of Beowulf, you know, where he had people who went with him, but you know about Beowulf. So it was kind of this idea where I didn't, um, really mention the other player care uh, the other players or player characters uh, very much just my cohort mm -hmm. and the other players are fine with it they're like okay we get it you know th we're taking on most of the real danger but we're getting all the real rewards none of them really wanted fame this guy got all the fame but he was also the biggest target when that happened so it's it's, it's kind of interesting it's kind of like that in reverse. We never played enough game sessions for it to really come to fruition, but it was a mm -hmm. kind of cool idea, mm -hmm. I thought. I, I had I had something else along those lines come up uh, in a game I DM'd. It was Hunter, uh, another White Wolf game where you're playing Hunters of the Supernatural. Right. And one of the special merits that you can take is Fate. And that your character, if you take the Fate merit, you know your character has a special destiny that they will fulfill and you get re-rolls to help you fulfill that. Yeah. And one of the players decided, oh, that, that's great. I'm going to take it at high, as high a level as possible. So he's getting like five free re-rolls of anything he likes each session, um, which is really powerful. Wow, but yeah. it also means that he needs a level five destiny. Right. You know, this is something like cosmic and world-altering. And he had built his character to be an internet nerd type. Yeah. But... The type who's got, like, he's got the long black leather trench coat and the Matrix sunglasses. He has a katana that he bought off the internet and isn't actually sharp enough to cut anything. He carries two desert eagles that he's never actually fired. <laughs> um, you know, so he's kind of, like, trying to be that badass, but never, not actually being 
enough. You know, he didn't have any points allocated to combat skills or anything like that. So, but he wanted to look really cool and badass. So he's that one guy from Grandma's Boy who thought he was a robot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so as the DM, I had to come up with his great destiny. Um, and... You know, the, the player was kind of like, hey, he's got this destiny. This is, the character's kind of a joke, but he's going to be important because he's got this great destiny. Right, right, right. And so the destiny that I came up with for him, which I didn't tell him about until after the campaign was over, was he was going to be the cosmic diversion. His job was to have all of these mean and nasty things go, oh, no, that guy's a threat. Yeah. And go after him so the lesser unassuming people can actually get the real work done. <laughs> and because he has this great destiny and because he's so lucky, he can keep surviving eldritch horrors coming to kill him on a weekly basis. Right. So that the real work can get done elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I have one. Uh, it was actually part of that uh, gauntlet uh, Week in Hell game I ran. Uh, yeah. And it, whenever, whenever we bring it up, it's always this, the player that this happened to. And... Uh, he always he always brings it up and kind of have a laugh, but so he had this one character, and we were doing one of the many fights, uh, and this time against like kind of a mini robot army, and this character was built for combat, but due to the extenuating circumstances of the fight, uh, his superhero character died. So then he decided to create a, a new character, and he put so much thought and so much effort into this character and he he wanted to make him like a Robin Hood style you know he's like bow and arrow he's gonna be like an archer style you know yeah. uh, you know kind of a minor hero but the idea being he is part of the team he's here know, to help he's here to help he's gonna do his thing and then uh, we do uh, like the first round that he shows up like the very first thing that happens um, I have, I roll to see if my robot notices him show up. Now, when I say robot, I mean, like, if you've ever played Warhammer 40K, I'm talking, like, the Space Marine Dreadnought, okay? I decided to a build... Tank on legs. Exactly. I decided to build a Space Marine Dreadnought for my superhero game that my bad guys had to, uh, had to go after. And I kind of rolled randomly, and I had the thing shoot at him, and he didn't dodge... And this was way back when uh, I was I was under the silly rule of okay because this thing's shooting cyclic uh, a, a cyclic gun I'm just gonna roll a d100 and see how many of the bullets hit you <laughs> I obliterated him on the first turn of combat that he joined in <laughs> oh man that was that was and it was it was terrible too because he was so pumped to play this character I'm I mean, looking back on it as a GM I should have been like okay I'm not gonna do that to him. <laughs> You know, like, your character wakes up later, you know, saved by somebody. I, I had a I had a player in one of my we games. We like to joke about that. That, that, that befell a similar fate. Uh, I was not running, I was playing in the game, but it was with a group of people who had literally picked up, it was a group of college kids who had picked up the books over the summer, and we were playing in the fall, and they had no prior gaming experience. It was really fun to be in and have... You know, to be playing with a group of people who none of them have ever seen these books two and a half months ago. Right. So everything everything is new and different to them. And his previous character died, which was like his third character of the set. So he was going on to his third character of the session. This okay. was this was how much he, he just kind of got screwed over. 
Oh, no, this was his second character of the session, sorry. Uh, his third character came later because this character didn't survive. Um, he, his first character of the session died. He built his second session of the character. He decides to make a half-orc barbarian. Oh. Which, I mean, he thought, like, hey, this is a really cool idea. It's a stereotypical D&D build, but, like, again, these guys were new. It was Everything was yeah. new and different. That reminds me of one, too, but continue. So he shows up. And the DM says, okay, you show up over the crest of the hill, and he sees our party, and he waves his war axe and yells, <laughs> and the party, our, bar- our dwarven barbarian, sees an orc waving his axe and yelling, so the barbarian pulls up his crossbow and fires, <laughs> natural 20, crit through the face, drops the orc, and kills him. We go up, loot the body, and continue on our way. Never even got to introduce him. And, and, and the player's like, why would you do that? Like, dude, you're an orc, and the dwarf saw you first. What do you expect to happen? Oh, yeah. That's good. No, that and then he went on to make his third character of the session, who actually survived. Oh, that's that's terrible. No, uh, real quick, one of the ones that I had, I we were running this side game, me and just a couple friends, and we had this new player, and uh, he... You know, it was Dungeons and Dragons. He kind of did the same thing. Half Orc Barbarian came in, and this was just in a you know a, a little dungeon, you know, some goblins and whatnot. But this guy, he goes in and he's he's wrecking house. And, and then this is back 3.0 was very new, yeah. and it had the triple crit rule, yep. optional sudden death rule. If you throw two twenties and then a confirm in a row, you kill him. And that never happened to me. You would I'd never run it before. And there's this new player comes in. And 20 minutes into the game session, I have a little goblin with his little morning star run up and attack him, and I roll a natural 20. I'm like, all right, I'll roll to confirm. Rolled another 20. And on the third die, I rolled an 18. And I, I just, I look at the die, and I look back up at him, and I look at the die, and I look back at the other player who's more experienced. I look at the die, and I look back up, and I'm like, well, uh, he leaps up and caves your head in. Roll a new character. And it was like... I don't know. It was just like so, like terribly, like what do you do? <laughs> like I didn't really want to kill him there, but it's just like what happened. You all saw my rolls. Surprise! Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> th- th- this is a good time for you to to understand what's going to happen when your character dies because it's going to happen, <laughs> yeah. and it's happening right now. This is your first session. How do you like it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have any like real insta kill kind of moments. I have that moment with Chris number two. Where he just got done, he showed up and he's like, "I just finished my the second half of my bomb, my uh, my background. I posted it on the boards. Sweet, <laughs> awesome." Ten minutes later, the character's dead. <laughs> so I mean, the character had been around for a couple of sessions, but that one was pretty funny because he came and he was like, because he's writing a two-parter, you know, background. I had the first part like when he, the character first started, and he just finished the second half of it. So I had the, the rest of the story that I could kind of you know intertwine into my my game. I'd already intertwined some of it. And he comes in and he's all super excited, and then what happens is they're at this fort where they're all hanging out, Fort Gradamir in this game. And all of a sudden, one of the the BBEG shows up, the big bad evil guy, the the mind flare diviner wizard, yeah. pops up. Yeah. Zahn shows up with his two Etten bodyguards. Fomorian. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Fomorian. I keep saying Etten. Yeah, Fomorian. Mm-hmm. Etten's on steroids, if you don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so he shows up with two Fomorian bodyguards, and most of the party freezes just as players are like, oh shit, like, mind flare. With giant bodyguards, but well, it, it, it was it was a funny split down because the less experienced players were like, "Oh crap, 
giants. And the more experienced players were like, oh, crap, Mind Flayer. Yeah, right. <laughs> they knew but, who the real threat was. <laughs> but uh, even though most of the party was, in the, you know, like looking at the map, most of the party was, you know, further back and intentionally backing up. As especially the more experienced players tend to be in the back, but the two of the newer-ish players were the ones that were in the front. We had one that was a monk and one that was a paladin uh, or paladin of vengeance. Uh, this was fifth edition, um, so the you know they they're both kind of like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, screw it, let's attack! Like we don't know any better. Like we're gonna attack. <laughs> so the the monk and the paladin both attack the mind flayer. Which like doesn't work out in their favor at all. No. <laughs> also, the, the, the quick hilarious moment where the cleric calls for negotiations for for treaty for a treaty and truce and all that, and the mind flayer pauses to think, and the monk takes advantage of that to land that left hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it it wasn't like the best of moments. So what happens is again, like both these characters engaged. And, you know, like, the, the point was he was looking for an item that the party had. The cleric being the wise dwarf, you know, cleric, he uh, ends up offering the, the item as, a, like, a peace treaty. Just, like, t if you take it, will you go? And it's like, well, now you've attacked me. Now you've pissed me off. Like, right. you've inconvenienced me, and now I'm hungry. So I roll, uh, I think I rolled, like, a D6 or something like that. But I rolled to just randomly choose, you know, odds and evens between these two different characters that attacked me. And I rolled the paladin. Okay, so then I rolled a you know rolled a grapple him with his tendrils. Boom! Eat his brains right in front of the freaking party, just like right there, dead. Like, nice. So you know, ten minutes ago, the the, the players coming in like, hey, I just finished my bio. Oh, sweet man, yeah, I can't wait to check it out and read it. Dead. <laughs> Ate your brains right there in front of the party. Which you know is this kind of like this really nice moment though, like from a DM perspective, just like that guy's a big bad evil guy. He has just proven to you why he's a big bad evil guy right. in game, not just because he's a mind flayer, but he just ripped this dude's skull open and ate his brain right. in front of the whole party. And while I hate that, I just kind of basically one shotted you, but it was for the cause, man. It right. was for the cause. You, you helped the cause. <laughs> yeah, Make I feel a villainy. I, I actually got to witness a from that same player, the one who had his his brain eaten. Uh, how often do you get to say that phrase? <laughs> uh, but I got one. <laughs> He, uh, he, he, the previous session, because he had had the first half of his backstory, which talked about him leaving his family behind and being forced to fight his brother to the death and killing his brother and running away in the night. And then, of course, you know, any, any GM who sees that immediately goes, oh, hey, guess who's coming in as, as a recurring villain? His, his brother, who he thinks is dead. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he showed up. The brother showed up to confront the character one-on-one. -on -one, and the the player is like, no, you're dead, you know, which is the nice run. Yeah, you thought I was dead. No, 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 seriously, you're dead. Here, look, it's right here in my backstory. He starts pulling it up <laughs> on the board. Like, See, this character died. It's like, no, no, no. If you didn't kill the character yourself, it, it didn't die on screen. You don't file them under dead. You file them under NPC status unknown. <laughs> right, right, yeah. MIA missing in action. Plus, plus it's D and D for God's sakes. Okay, you killed him. Sure, like I can't bring him back thirteen different ways. Exactly. Know? Oh no, so he's a death knight now. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. he was a former paladin, like a former evil paladin, kind of you know knight kind of guy. So I'm like, okay, well if you want to like if you want to push this, he died. I killed him with my bare hands. He's a death knight. Now he's even worse off for you. Like congratulations, you just upped his power level by like tenfold. <laughs> And I like you know it was another one of those things too where like ironically both players' name were Chris. We had Chris and then Chris number two. Yeah, which and was only named that way because Chris joined first and Chris number two joined later. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I kind of thought it was funny. It's like, so the Chris's attacked. I have to roll between the Chris's. And then, like, later on, like, uh, Chris number one, so to speak, he was like, oh, man, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I I'm like, dude, it could have easily been your brain. Like, I would have one-shotted you just as easily as I one-shotted him. Like, you just got lucky on the die roll, man. So, right. And then later on, you know, he was the one that ended up drawing the, the deck of many things, becoming an evil character and leaving the party. <laughs> Actually, I was going to build on the story with the, the big bad. Zon, the Mind Flayer there, was was actually used later on to show how powerful some of the heroes were. Mm -hmm. Because we had the heroes in our current 5th edition game crossed over with the characters from our 3.5 game. The, we updated yeah, to 5th edition. Fifth, yeah. We updated and converted. So the two parties got to meet each other, which... It was very difficult to play because some of us are playing multiple characters. Right. Um, I had multiple accents that I wound up slipping between having like the wrong character talking in the wrong accent a couple times, but <laughs> but it was fun. But we had you know the experienced characters from three point five meeting the adventurers from fifth edition, and they wound up being threatened by the mind, by the mind flayer again. Who you know all of the the characters that originated fifth edition were like, oh, this is that big bad villain evil guy, and the. 3.5 original characters looked at him and goes, this is the guy that, that took that artifact that we were talking about. Yeah. Like, okay. We'll take it from his corpse. <laughs> and attacked as a coordinated unit. It was yeah. just like, you know, the 5th edition characters had seen that this guy was a badass and now these guys who were helping them out weren't scared of him in the slightest right. and would have probably demolished him if it hadn't turned out to be a, a hallucination, or not a hallucination, a hologram illusion projection of him. Right. He wasn't actually physically there. Right. But it would have been like, in the span of a second he would have been like blasted, had a couple axes lodged into him and cut in half with a greatsword. Yeah, that was one of those moments where I like, I had the players say like, you know, what are you doing with this character? And then I'm like, and now I'm going to elaborately detail out exactly how, how badass a moment this was. Because, you know, I didn't want it to be the whole like, well, we rolled good and we have good stats. I wanted it to be like, alright, you know, as a coordinated unit you know, this guy dives over this way, hucking, you know, several, like, you know, you know Tomahawk-style, like, throwing hatchets over at this guy. While this guy, knowing the, the, the dude behind him is going to be launching, you know, like, several thrown weapons, ducks down, rolls off to the side, pulls out his sword, and starts lunging at him. And, you know, just, like, very coordinated, very epic, you know, kind of moment. Like, uh, it, it was, that was one of those moments where, like, yeah. That worked out well. And just, too bad it was, you know, and then like all their attacks hit at the same time, but just to find out that it was just like, you know, an illusion hologram kind of thing. Yeah. Actually, going back to your uh, having two parties at once thing, there was a game I ran, a superhero game. Well, one half of it was a superhero game, the other half was a supervillains game. And it was interesting because I was, I was running both, and everyone had their own supervillain and everyone had their own superhero. So, like, on one week, we'd play heroes. And then on the next week, we'd play villains, and we'd go back and forth. And that was actually one of my funner experiences as uh, a GM uh, playing in that system because they were in the same area, but they never really kind of commingled in any way. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, I'd throw them a tidbit of like, oh, yeah, you hear about these guys doing this thing here, you know, wrecking this area or whatnot. But I did have, like, some of the same heroes and villains showing up for both parties to kind of keep that continuity of yes you are in yeah. the same world uh, but that was just uh, I don't know that was just a game idea that I had and would flip flop between them mm -hmm. um, and each one had their own kind of special thing that they were getting to that was separate from the other ones you know like uh, 
you know, the, the villains were uh, tasked with uh, taking down one of the major heroes in the city, while the, uh, the heroes were, I believe they were trying to stop a villain from, like, putting a plague on the city or something. You know, basic basic tropes, but different enough. Yeah. They're never going to commingle. But that was just a really cool experience, I think, for myself and my players. And uh, uh, I don't know. That's just something I wanted to share. I thought it was really cool. See things from both sides of the window. Yeah. Exactly. I, I did something uh, similar-ish way back when 3.5 was still brand new. I played with some dudes back. I ran this actually at the game store, Dwayne Shop, back in the day. Oh, yeah, um, Dwayne Shop. But we had four players, and I, you know... The concept was I wanted to do the whole Four Horsemen of Apocalypse because it was right about the time that the Book of Vile Darkness came out. Mm, and book. I really wanted to play that book up because it's a great, it's one of the best 3.5 books in, you know, of all the books I've gone through, um, in my opinion. But, of course, I like the you know the evil side of things. But I had them use that book to make up like basically like the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. I had like the Cancer Mage, just Pestilence, and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. So they made up four villains... And they played through a couple sessions, and then, not knowing that this was the plan all along, but then had them make up four heroes that were going to be, like, trying to stop the apocalypse kind of thing. Oh, nice. And so we'd play, like, two or three sessions, you know, with them as the bad guy, play two or three sessions of them as the good guy. But all the while, like, I'm kind of holding, like, the big plot points behind the scene. Like, even though they're playing both sides, they don't necessarily always see the big picture. Yeah, they right. thought it was just like, oh, well, we wanted to play an evil game, and we wanted to play a good game. But, you know, we kind of didn't want to decide, so they thought we were just flip-flopping before, and they kind of didn't realize until it was several, you know, flips in that it was, like, it was the same game that was, like, and they were basically playing against each other nice. and, and moving towards each other. I don't think we ever got to actually finish that game. That was one of those few games where, like, I didn't get to finish, and I'm like, oh, it would have been so oh, yeah. epic. <laughs> I, You guys obviously both know this because you're involved, but I got my game right now where the party is playing both sides. Yeah. yeah. In that... I'm the Shadow of the Tower is the game I'm currently running. The players are probably one of the biggest threats in the area, and they are also playing themselves up to be the only heroes that can stop the biggest threat in the area. Yeah. So, you know, seeing them walk into town as the heroes and walk out of town and meet up with the monsters and like, we're your boss, you're gonna do what we say, you know, you're gonna attack at this time and then go back to the town and be like, they're attacking at this time, we need to stop them. Uh, you know, and, and so we'll see both sides in asshole. the exact same game. I love that too. Yeah, we yeah. are the biggest group of two-faced backstabbing jerks that there has ever been. And it's really easy for me as a GM because they sit back and they have to get all their stories straight and plan everything. Everything. So they're planning for 30, 40 minutes, and I'm just sitting back listening and just maybe making some stuff up for the future as they're figuring, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we keep this? What was our story on here? How do we keep that straight? Yeah, yeah we also have to predict and hypothesize how things are going to play out. So we're pretty much just like, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want, but we're we're basically like feeding you like ideas yeah. the whole yep. time. Well, <laughs> <that's>, like, <laughs> and, and, and I would be lying if I said I didn't use those sometimes. <laughs> and, but, you know, that's, that's the beauty of uh, the evil game, I think, is because we'll probably get onto this uh, in another topic, but just real quick, you know, when you're playing as the heroes, it's basically you're going to you're finding out what the villain is doing mm -hmm. as they're doing it or after it happened. You're trying to stop the villain. You're reacting. You're yeah. reacting to it. But when you're playing the villain, you get to set all of the things in motion mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that are the villainous deeds that heroes eventually hear about, right. and they come to try to stop you. So yeah. it's a really cool kind of villains act. Heroes react. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a nice reverse of the coin. Yeah.
Uh, yeah, so I think I got like one little mini story left real quick before we wrap it up. Sure. And, and that's just, and this is one of those stories that I don't even usually think to bring it up, which is why I'm bringing it up last, but most of my players tend to bring it up that I played in the game. Yeah. It's one of the, the more popular ones, uh, the, 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 the Jason evil book incident. Ah, uh, yeah. That one gets brought up quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so we have this, uh, this one character, uh, he is a big, bad, brute fighter guy and he's one of the newer additions to the group and the whole time he's hyper paranoid about like no don't touch anything anytime we find loot yeah. like he's like the guy that like you know he's picking up the pot with the sword blade you know and like right. like anything he finds is like just put it you know like he had like a like a dutch oven or something like that like some yeah. kind of like he, uh, like a cast iron dutch oven thing he specifically picked up a shovel tongs the the pot a lid chains padlock so he could put it in the pot put the lid on chain the lid on padlock it shut yeah it's so, so there was a little bit of metagaming going on here so yeah apparently <laughs> apparently in <laughs> which, the past which was also hilarious too because we had never actually ran into anything magical let alone anything cursed okay yeah as a group they hadn't run into anything magical yet they hadn't definitely haven't run into anything cursed yet but apparently like again from the metagame spin standpoint apparently his brother who was typically his dm in the past yeah. who he played with most of his life was one of those like I'm going to get you and throw cursed items at you all the time kind of guys. Yeah. So he just his paranoia just bled into apparently every single character that he's ever played. So he's totally metagaming, but every single item we find, and it's kind of getting on people's nerves, you know, to, you know, as several sessions in where it's like, oh, I picked this lock. You know, I was down the hall in this room by myself, and then all of a sudden this character's behind me with a shovel going, let me get it, I'll put it in the oven. Just <laughs> <laughs> like everything that was found, every coin, every diamond, any, anything that was found goes into this, like, this cast iron Dutch oven. And then finally, I actually present them with this demonic tome. Yeah. It's clearly like one of the, the evilest item that they've ever found. You know, it's written, you know, it's bound in human flesh, written in blood, you know, if that I kind recall of thing. correctly, we found it on the altar of a desecrated temple where we had just slain a devil and we were led there by the ghost of a little girl. Yes. That's, <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly right. So this is the one item that he doesn't grab with the shovel and throw in the back, you know, in the in the in the, the Dutch oven. This is the one item that he picks up with his bare hands and really? starts reading. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's funny is like I made a special like prop for this book which isn't ominous in itself. Like, I make this special prop, and I just bought this little blank booklet, and it says, this is a, you know, like, it's just, at first it started off with, like, some basic, like, you know, like, um, some fluff piece, like, blah, 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 this is the name of the book, and this is some information that's inside of it, and then, like, you flip three or four pages in, and it's like, make a DC, because this is 3.5, make, like, a DC 18, or DC 15 wisdom save throw. If you um, fail, flip to the back of the book. Right. So I see him make a die roll, and I see him flip to the back of the book, and I'm like, oh, shit. He's possessed. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so it flips to the back of the book, and it's like, these are your new stats. Like, you know, your physical stats don't change, but your mental stats change, and you gain, like, a charm ability and this, that, and the other thing. So basically, he's possessed by a demon. Right. Your real name is now this, and I gave him some basic instructions. Like, you're going to try to be very stealthy about this. You're going to want to not try to give away that you've been possessed, but you're going to start taking the first opportunities that you can to start um, stealthily taking out the party. Yeah. 
So the first thing he does is, you know, um, another member of the group ends up having this premonition. He's been having random premonitions for the last few sessions, and every time he does, he passes out. Sometimes he has them while he's sleeping, so he doesn't realize he normally would pass out. So he has a premonition, passes out. He's like, oh, you know, so the possessed guy's like, oh, I'll take care of him. Let me bring him to the tent. Hey, you help me. So you, they bring him to this tent. Yeah. Hey, why don't you go get some water or check, get some... Go yeah. find the paladin. Yeah, go find the paladin. So like, I, I, so you know, might be able to heal him. Or yeah. So as soon as the other, you know, as soon as they're alone, he takes a pillow and smothers the guy that's unconscious. Oh, my God. And then, like, you know, like, kind of summarizing, like, it ends up being, like, this huge battle, like, or this big fight. Like, he ends up charming one dude and, like, you know, doing this thing and the other thing. And, like, it ends up being, like, half the party versus half the party. He ends up getting put on uh, the... The dude that he smothered was actually infected with, like, the, the Zeke virus, which is kind of like a zombie virus thing. Like, so he gets back up. He's alive. He's like a zombie kind of creature now because <laughs> he was already infected. And he had a pact with another character in the group. That there was two different paladins, or he was a fighter, and the, the, he had a pact with the paladin that if either of them were to die while infected, they would take the other one's head. So the paladin takes that dude's head off. And, you know, so it ends up being this huge thing, but, like, in the span of this one session, like, we had a, almost a full party wipe because of this one book. Oh, man. So the one book that he doesn't treat like a cursed object actually is a cursed object, was planned on being a cursed object all along. He <laughs> falls right into the pit, ends up single-handedly killing half of the party, and then, of course, ends up dying himself to the druid, like, you, like, critting and, like, shooting him in the head. Right. You know, so like and the, I'm like I'm sitting there watching this party wipe while I'm doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm I sat back yep. for half that session. I was just sitting back, hands folded in my chest. Every now and then he might ask me a clarifying question about like the demon or whatever or his abilities at first discreetly and then obviously less discreetly. And I was just basically sitting there answering questions. Um, sadly, the guy that got killed really, like, right at the beginning of the session sat there for half the session not doing anything until finally he resurrected. So I had him play the NPC of the zombie character, so he was doing something for a little while. Right. So yeah. he had the stat block to roll that for a little while, but then that got killed, so he's, he spent most of the session dead. But I just kind of sat back and watched the party wipe. Wow. <laughs> and, and one of the accessories... For the for that game, and we still have it hanging in the, the game area that we play in, is the graveyard, yeah, which has the tombstones where we log all the characters that have been killed. And if you look at the original graveyard, there's a, like an entire row that all has the same date as their death, yeah. <laughs> all due to one cursed object. The one cursed object not treated like a cursed object. We're gonna wrap it up here for now. Uh, if you'd like, definitely feel free to follow us. On Facebook, you can look us up on our message boards, GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com. Download new episodes on Podbean every Tuesday. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at GMS Studios. Um, we'll see you the next time we're in the studio. We'll get back to talking a little bit more about the tips and tricks. Uh, but we hope to have more bonus episodes for you coming up. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye.